Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I am your host. My name is Steve Barber, and joining me is my co-host, Waylon Davis. Say hi, Waylon. Hey, guys. And this week, we are going to be discussing the Attitude Era and the possibility that the Attitude Era may be trying to come back, or at least they may be trying to bring it back. And it just from some recent goings on that we've both yeah. seen. Yeah, the um, the Roman Reigns promo from SmackDown. Yes, that. Okay, for me, I cracked up. I've watched that promo probably four or five times. It for an adult, it is hilarious promo. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. My only issue is <laughs> with little kids in the audience hearing that because then there's a good conversation that your parents have to have that they may not have been ready to have that conversation yet exactly and i actually had that conversation that you're talking about i actually had that (laughs) um a few weeks ago actually but i stopped at the general yeah right age appropriate i've i've had to have those conversations i have a you know, as you know, Caden's 15 and Savannah's mm-hmm. 12, and I've had to have those age-appropriate conversations. Right. I'm just glad that they weren't in the room when, or your Le- Le- wasn't in the room whenever he did that promo. I was like, right. oh my. <laughs> you know, but all the all the videos, apparently, WWE have gone in, and they've actually edited that part out. Yeah, they've taken that out, but it's on, um, it's on TikTok, because I saw it earlier today. Yeah um it's on there and it's on youtube just not right the official wwe youtube page but it's it's all over youtube i've seen it so many times it's on instagram too people have posted it on there oh wow hey i haven't even i haven't seen it on instagram yet um but i mean i saw it the one time and i, and I was just glad i wasn't drinking something when he said it because it would have been yeah. like the spit take to, psh, what yeah. what did he just mean, say and what he said was a perfect analogy for the John, John Cena character. Right. I mean, it was, it was perfect, but it's just like, <laughs> like I said, for adults, I was fine with it. Yes. You know, but just, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's on that line when you've got little kids in the audience or little kids watching at home. Yes. And uh, so glad that I was the only person in the room when, when he said it. <laughs> Uh, but before we get started, let me go ahead and give our contact and listening info. If anyone would like to email us their opinion about the, the Roman Reigns promo from last Friday, just email us at armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. You can always hit us up on facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. You can find us on Instagram at armchairbooking, Twitter at bookingarmchair because at armchairbooking was already taken. Somebody's, <laughs> somebody's squatting on it, basically. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Play. And I've also found out you just go and just do a search for Armchair Booking Podcast in Google or whatever your search engine is. And we're on other platforms as well. It's actually kind of interesting. That's cool. Yep. So that is how you get a hold of us. And you know, please give us your opinions, give us your feedback, because we are definitely trying to grow the podcast. Waylon was just telling me today, he has, he's already got a coworker listening to it. And yep. I know I also have some coworkers listening to it and they seem to enjoy it. And, you know, we just have to, just have to keep growing. And 
from that, since we've already covered everything, I believe I don't think I've forgotten anything, have I? No, I don't think so. I don't think there was any big. I don't think there was any big current wrestling news that's happened this week, really. Other than they did sign a um, Small Joe's going to wrestle. He is going to wrestle uh, for NXT. I did see that. Yeah, and... he's going to wrestle, carrying uh, Cross for the NXT title. Which, unless unless they just for some reason change their mind, I see Joe beating Carrying Cross for the title. So that he can just be on Raw full time because they've had him okay. on Raw the past few weeks anyway, testing it out. And I think that's I think that's the move. Except there, there's no Scarlet with him, which is half the gimmick. Hmm. When he's on Raw, Scarlet's not with him. Hmm. It's uh... like the whole, it's like they're messing with the whole entrance and everything, and it's like you obviously. Vince obviously doesn't watch NXT to see what's been working with this guy. So it's like, he, I think he just saw a big guy, a big power guy, and was right. like, going to bring him to Raw to fill in the spot. Yeah, because if part of the gimmick is bringing, like you said, Scarlet, yeah. Yeah, then they should bring her. And um, they should definitely bring her since that's his, I believe they're married in real life. So... Why would you uh, not bring? Why would you not bring his significant other with him? Well, I don't know, Vince. He's already he's had a track record of splitting yeah. up couples where one's yeah. on Raw, the other one's on but, SmackDown. Yeah, he'll split them up, and then he'll just randomly send like they just sent Naomi back to SmackDown because uh, because Jimmy's back. So okay. so they sent you know they sent Naomi to SmackDown. Um. That way, I guess, I don't know if that was a Roman call and been like, you know, Jimmy needs his wife on the road since we're going back on the mm-hmm. road. He don't want to be away from his wife. Can't blame him. Yeah, I can't blame him. I, I mean, if, I, if I was on the road that many days a year, I'd want my wife there with me. Exactly. And trying to think who are, well, right now, ironically enough, some of the married couples, one's in the WWE, the other one's in AEW. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can't really get them together right now. Like Zelina Vega and uh, McKay, what Malachi, Malachi. yeah, Malachi Black, and then uh, Charlotte and Andrade, yep, yeah, because they're engaged, yeah. Uh, who else? And, uh, I see, I see before too long. I think Lana is going to end up in AEW, yeah, she's out of WWE now, so so I think once her no compete clause is done i'm i think she'll show up with miro and AEW, which makes sense and um her, i don't know if you followed them on twitter but i mean they're funny he's funny oh, yeah, I follow, yeah I follow them on twitter. <laughs> they're hilarious yeah and if they were to have her going back to being like a russian type gimmick i mean it actually would work because she's she's american but yeah. she grew up her dad was a, a, a missionary you know, in yeah. Russia. Yep. So yep. she grew up in Russia and yeah. she speaks, obviously she speaks English perfect and she actually does speak Russian. Yeah. And Miro, Miroslav, you know, is his actual full name. I yeah. Mean, he, he speaks English very well. And he has, yeah. he, he does have a little bit of an accent, but yeah. Um, but he's still, that dude's hilarious. And oh, yeah. He's, I'm glad that they ditched like the video game gimmick that he was doing like when he first got to AEW. Right. And this gimmick that he's doing now, like 
the redeemer thing where he's just mowing through everybody is what they should have done with him and it's another case mm -hmm. of this is what they had in wwe and it's like oh but we're just going to feed him to john cena yeah and you know not get him even though even though rusev day was the hottest thing in the company <laughs> that day was awesome yeah and love rusev day you've got thirty thousand people repeating every single word they said but it's another case of oh well they got over and that wasn't the plan right so because he was supposed to be the he was oh. supposed to be the typical 80s foreign menace so to speak and, and he got over and vince i feel like vince didn't like it so he just buried him well the first they put him um as they said he was russian and well yeah. That didn't go very well with people in Bulgaria. So they said, okay, he's Bulgarian, but he went through Russia. And they still didn't like that because they still have some hard feelings from the Cold yeah, War. Yeah, there's still some bad some bad blood there. Yeah. Right. And because back during the Cold War, yeah, Bulgaria was part of the Warsaw Pact, but we really didn't have a lot of beef with them. It was mostly yeah. the Soviet Union. And a lot of people don't even realize the flag he was coming to the ring with um, – at first was the Russian flag today. Some people still think it's the red with the hammer and the sickle. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I actually knew somebody in the military. He had been in at the time, um, probably 11, 12 years. And just knowing the job that we had to do, you would have thought he'd have known this, but I actually pointed out to him one day and he's like, no, nah, that's not their flag. I'm like, dude, that's been their flag since 1991. Yeah. And yeah, I couldn't believe he didn't know that. Um, but anyway, enough about you know uh, politics in the Cold War. That's that's a <laughs> uh, that stuff is interesting though. When you if you were to ever um, watch documentaries on a bad, you're like, oh okay, I didn't know why I was young. I didn't know that was why that was going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but um, but anyway, so the Attitude Era because I actually uh, found out something. I kind of suspect this anyway, but you were not a fan of the attitude era either. I, I was when it was going on, but being pushing 50 now and going back and watching it now, a lot of that stuff does not hold up. It's like, mm -hmm. I mainly watch, I mainly go back and watch old attitude era stuff for pretty much the main event guys and the tag team stuff. Right. But all the lower mid card stuff is just just it was just so some of that stuff was just so sexual. And I mean, I'm not a prude by any means, but I'm a father and mm -hmm. I can't imagine looking back on it now, I can't imagine sitting in that audience with my children present for a lot of that stuff that they did in the attitude era. It's just some of that content is just, I mean, I don't let my kids watch it today. Just like I don't let my kids watch classic ECW. Right. For, you know, the same reasons. And like really now, a lot of people I see on Twitter all the time about how people are like, they need to bring back the attitude era. That was the best era there was, blah, 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 blah. And I guess from an entertainment standpoint, that's true. But me being a wrestling fan, the ruthless, ruthless aggression era was so much better. 
because right. a lot of that stuff got toned way down or gotten rid of, and they focused more on the wrestling, which is why I watch it to begin with. So right, you know, I I didn't start, I didn't become a wrestling fan because I wanted to watch the the cartoony stuff, and then later on the sexual stuff and things like that. I mean, because I, I grew, I started watching Mid Atlantic wrestling. Right, and that exactly. was, I mean, I, it was wrestling. Yeah. I, I grew up watching with my grandmother. I grew up watching Mid South and the, you know the Jim Crockett part of the NWA mm -hmm. and you know, you had your, you had your little flirty stuff with flair and his promos and stuff, but it was never just as blatantly sexual as it was in the attitude era. And looking back on it, especially having two daughters, the way they treated women back then was just disgusting. Yeah. In Go my on. opinion, it's Go just on. women were just there to be objectified. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you had a uh, had a chance to listen to the two part uh, podcast we did on women in wrestling, but when the second part, we actually had a female a local one, um, Selena Dean, when she came on, and she was actually talking about that era, and she said you couldn't. There was no way she would do some of that stuff, like the bra and yeah. panties matches. The yeah. The Playboy, the pillow, the, the, the Playboy Bunny nightgown match, yeah, or the, uh, or the, uh, yeah, the mud fights and stuff they used to right. have. It, it's like these and all the women that they had involved in these matches. For the most part, I mean, you had your Sables and you had like some of the other ones, but you had a lot of talented women that were instead of being put instead of just being able to go to the ring and showing what they could do, they were being just degraded so that they could hit a certain demographic and spike ratings. And right. it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's like, I would never want either of my daughters to feel like that they had to do something like that in order to keep their job. Exactly. And like you were saying before, you couldn't really do that now. You know, so no. doing things like that, it's not sustainable. Because no. the, the demographic you're going for, and I really got to think about the age we were when the attitude yeah. era was starting. I mean, we were early to mid twenties. Yeah. And sophomoric man boys. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's you know, we may have been old enough to be considered men, but emotionally maturity right. as we're yeah. still going, oh look at the whole boobies you know yeah. <laughs> and but now i'm like wow um i'm guessing you know it's kind of pretty pretty stupid you know even thinking that but i also i preferred wcw back then just and that, a part of that just comes from loyalty growing up watching mid-atlantic which morphed into the main right. wcw right but I, I was not a fan of Sable because, yeah. She... I wasn't a fan of Sable. Yeah, I wasn't either. One, it's like, okay, you have your Sables and you have your Trish Stratuses. Sable never improved. It's like she made no effort to improve in the ring. She was content to be eye candy and stuff like that. Trish Stratus started out as eye candy and worked her butt off to become one of the best female wrestlers they've ever had. 
Right. So it's like, but there were there were several women that were in the sable category that they were content to just do that. And it's like, don't you want to be? You look at what women are doing now. I mean, they're main eventing WrestleManias mm-hmm. and they're having their own pay per views. And like, Mickey James is in the NWA now, and they're going to have a, and they're going to have a all women's pay per view in St. Louis. Uh, I think it's in August, into August, toward the end of August. And no, you're only about what three women, hours away from St. Louis. Yeah, about yeah. I'm only about yeah. I'm only about probably about three, maybe three and a half. Okay. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean but, to cut you uh, off. But... Yeah, and that's going to be women from like, of course, not WWE because they're in their own bubble. But other than that, women from every company are welcome to compete at this pay per view. And you look at what women were allowed to do. If women had a match during the Attitude Era, it was maybe two or three minutes, and it was more about getting your clothes torn off than it was right. about you know pl- applying a hold. And it's like, I just don't, I don't understand these people that are longing for the Attitude Era when it's like, there's no way that that type of Sexual, you know, sexual degrading, degrading of women, plus the a lot of the violence is not going to work these days. Right. Which I, I don't, I don't have an issue with. As far as I go, the violence. I'm 48 years old. You know, I grew up watching classic ECW. Um, even some of the classic ECW stuff, though, it's like you can only take that violence so far before it becomes just difficult to watch right not not only that but you become kind of numb to it it just yeah. doesn't even phase you anymore yeah you get desensitized and then it's it, like exactly it's just another show and it's like i'm not one who watches nascar uh, all the time yeah because it's just a bunch of guys driving 500 in miles in a circle <laughs> yeah but when you see the wrecks, boom! Oh, everybody's yeah. there, right? But if you had a wreck every single lap, then nobody's going to care, right? Because it's happening every lap, so it's like you're used to it. You're now you're just waiting for the wreck. Like, well, let's get this wreck out of the way so we can move on to the next to watch the next lap. So, right? That's why demolition derbies are only held just yeah. basically at county exactly. fairs, right? You don't see them. They're not demolition derbies are not mainstream. Right. You, you cannot watch a demolition because that's yeah. why they're like, okay, they're running into each other again. And it's cool to watch, you know, the first couple of times. I've been to a yeah. demolition derby. And yeah, I have too. They're, I mean, yeah. they're pretty cool to watch because you know you're not going to see this all the time. Right. That's like, honestly, I feel like that's where original ECW was better than. WWF's Attitude Era because it was a small Philly based promotion. It wasn't mainstream. It was really underground. It was, you had to uh, it was Tri-State Championship Wrestling and then they changed it to Eastern Championship Wrestling yeah. and then they changed it to Extreme Championship Wrestling. Yeah, when Shane threw the, the NWA title down, yeah, declared the Extreme Championship Wrestling, but it was still all, it was never mainstream. It was always that underground wrestling company that you had to hunt for tapes 
which I, cause I had to hunt for tapes and stuff to, and trade with people to see footage, which made what was going on, you know, that much more exciting because it wasn't mainstream. You didn't see it all the time. If you caught it in syndication, it was three o'clock in the morning right. on a, you know, on a syndicated channel. So you're still not seeing it. It wasn't in, at a seven o'clock, you know, prime time hour like raw was for you know for the entire attitude era so after a while people just got used to that in the attitude era because you were seeing it every week right and one of the main people behind the attitude era was of course vince russo yeah i've been i've seen it described as basically car crash television hey it's kind of funny we're yeah. just saying that it was, yeah pretty much and he focused so much on the out of the ring stuff and yeah. some of the wild characters. And of course I know the whole thing about Sable. I know, I'm pretty sure you've also heard the story about when Sable, when she first came up there with Mark Merrow, she was just, just came into the office when he was negotiating his contract and Vince and, Oh Lordy, what's his name? Um, Is it Bruce Pritchard? Kevin Dunn. Bruce, Bruce Pritchard was also there too, I think, but they were just enamored by Sable. Oh, what a lady and, and everything. And also they were wanting to sign her to a contract. And like you said, she was just eye candy. Yeah. And then when I heard that she was posing in Playboy, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I don't see that's how that's going to help wrestling because people are going to come expecting to see her, you know, just watching yeah. her. Yeah, they're going to come expecting to see her nude, which, I mean, a lot of times she was close. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of times she was really close, but, and, uh, I mean, I had no issue with her posing in Playboy. That's what she wanted to do. That's her business. That, that's her business. I had, no, but... you know, I had no problem with that, but at the same time, it's like she got pushed as the face of the women's division when you had Jacqueline, Molly mm -hmm. Holly. You had, you know, Lita was starting to come, you know, come into her own. Trish was right. getting better. You had all these women that were, you know, fantastic wrestlers, and they're they're being treated as afterthoughts because you've got the, you know, the blonde bombshell as the face of your women's division. So it's like this is what you're showing little girls that this is what you need to do to be successful and. That is not true at all. Right. And Luna Vachon also, she was another one. Yeah, and Luna. And Luna, like, she was a fantastic yeah, was wrestler. Yeah. And, and I was, uh, what have you heard about when Luna was going against Sable at one of the manias or some of the pay-per-views? They told Luna flat out, if you hurt her, you will be fired. Yeah, yeah. So Luna, the, Luna basically just had to sell all of Sable's limited offense and right. not put any offense in herself because she was because her job was on the line if she was a little too stiff with Sable. Right. And, and Sable couldn't take any, you know, Sable couldn't take any offense. She didn't know how to take mm -hmm. any offense. So anything Luna would have done would have hurt her. Right. Or Sable would have said it hurt her. Either way, Luna would have lost her job. And uh, granted, uh, X-Pac, apparently he got his own form of 
revenge, something that he left in Sable's bag. Yes, yes. I, I, yeah, I've, <laughs> so, I've heard about that over the years. Yeah, which is kind of disgusting, but at the same time, yeah. I'm like, I, I can't help but chuckle. I would never do it myself. I would never recommend anybody else do it, but I think yeah. it kind of got the point across. Well, and it got, also, she wasn't very well liked backstage because all that publicity and attention and the company making her the focal point, all that went to her head. Mm-hmm. And they said she was horrible backstage to like the other women backstage. Funny. She, yeah. Funny. Yeah. I, she, yeah. They hated each other. Yeah. And oh, if you ever heard Jim Cornette, his one of his, well, the man, he just does shoot interviews all the time, but one of his... Yeah, his whole, his whole podcast <laughs> is a one big shoot, but... Yeah, uh, one of his early shoot interviews, uh, it's, I think it's, I think it's like one of the main shoot interview, like, companies or organizations. It's like, what's part of the, this interview, this particular one is... He, was it on, was it for RF video? It might have but been. They, they used to do a lot of shoot interviews, like, especially, like, Early, early to mid two thousands, they did they did yeah. a lot of shoot interviews because there is like uh, it's the same guy. He's actually interviewed Cornette. He's interviewed Kevin Nash. He's interviewed. Uh, yeah, I think it was RF Video. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Cornette, of course, I mean he his his language. I'm not going to repeat on on the show because we're family friendly. But right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But he says he actually says the same thing about Sonny too. But he yeah, said, I heard Sonny was hard to get along with too. Yeah, and but he said Sonny he actually had a lot of respect for because she respected the business and she wanted yes. better. And yeah, she knew she was the most downloaded picture on AOL. Yeah, ninety six, ninety seven. So yeah, he was there. Uh, also. She loved the business, but she was also there to be eye candy as well. Yeah. And and I think she's also back in jail now. And I really wish Yeah, she got yeah, she got arrested again. She uh, I think she violated her probation. Again. <laughs> and, yeah. and I really, really wish, you know, she could get straightened out, you know, get get herself straightened out because I mean it has to yeah. it's on her. She was having, you know, her she was having problems, her and Candido, like, you know, drug related stuff. But then like he got I think they both got clean and then he ended up dying from that freak thing when he had the the surgery on his leg. Right. And, uh, and I think after that, I think it just all fell apart and that's was her yeah. way of coping which i mean i'm not condoning that at all because no. as somebody who had you know i've had problems with alcohol in my life and so i sympathize but at the same time you've got to you've got to get that under control before mm-hmm. it destroys you yep and she like you said she wasn't well well she was well liked by some people for yeah, periods of time, but of course, yeah. uh, most notably Shawn Michaels. Yeah, but otherwise, you know, you're right. I mean, they did not really care for, her, but they all did admit that she did have respect for the business, and yeah. she, she was not trying to make everything about herself. Whereas Sable was trying to make everything about herself. Yeah, and- even when she was 
even when she was with Mark Merrill, it's like, you know, he's getting overshadowed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I wouldn't have a problem if if she was, you know, on equal footing and cared about the business and was, you know, wanted to be good in the ring and stuff. But she didn't. She just wanted people to look at her. Right. And one statement she said, and we're going to end up having to move on because we're going to spend a whole podcast talking about Sable. But yeah. one, I, I would, I'll, I'll end up with a, one statement she said, which I think uh, describes her accurately. She was quoted as saying, you know, because she was married before uh, Mark and her husband yeah. had actually died. Yeah. And she was quoted as saying him dying was actually one of the best things that ever happened to her because if not, she wouldn't have ended up with Mark and became as famous in what she did. Oh, my God. That's just disgusting. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, that tells you what kind of person she is. Right. Just, the father of her kid, too, you know, because she has a daughter yeah. of her husband. She didn't have any with Mark Merrow, but now with Brock Lesnar. And Mark Merrow, he suspects, and he's probably right, that she was already with Brock uh, before she left him. There was an overlap in there. He's pretty sure. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so with all the other divas and that was one of the things with johnny ace you know john laurinaitis with him he was not looking for women wrestlers he was looking for models that they hopefully they could train to be a semblance of a wrestler because like you said they were there to be looked at they weren't there to have a bunch of skill i think it's just i think in like um like victoria was a fitness model trish was a fitness model but they both worked their tails off mm-hmm. to become great wrestlers. Exactly. And I don't think that's what Johnny had in mind, especially when you look at the other, you know, the other women that he hired throughout the attitude era and even into the ruthless aggression era. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it's like, he just, it's like, he just searched through a catalog and it's like, okay, her, 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 her because they all look like this. Oh, that's what Cornette said he did. He was going through like <laughs> lingerie catalogs and he was picking them out like that. And Cornette said, and yeah, then they'd hit the ropes and they'd pass out because they haven't eaten in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so, but oh. uh, one of the things I think, and this is actually kind of creepy if you think about it, two of the, the divas that he was going, oh, wow, they're hot. You know, I'm going to, they're already eye candy. Let's make them more divas are the Bella Twins. Yeah. And now he is their stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of kind of creepy there, John. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But some of the other things about the Attitude Era, and there's been some kind of debate about when it kind of started. Um, some will say it was Montreal Screwjob. Others will say it was King of the Rain 96. And then some go back to like 95 whenever Goldust came in. And I, I can't, I can't really see that, but I can definitely see it being King of the Ring. I, I've always said it was Austin's promo at King of the Ring was right. what was what really got people's attention, and things started leaning that way. Was right. that the Austin three sixteen promo? Right. And which, and to be honest, personally, I really don't care for the Austin three sixteen, but that's my own personal beliefs. 
Right, right. You know, um, and I actually have heard Steve Austin in like on his podcast, and he was more that was his character saying that. Yeah. You know, um, and it was really everybody else who took it. Yeah, yeah. You know, a little too far. That's what um, you know, I would really have that's why I didn't personally care for it, but I wasn't at out there super railing against it either. Right, right. And I was like, hey, I don't care for it, but if you if you like it, that's that's you. I mean, yeah, personal choices. But I would say, yeah, that's definitely because that brought an edginess that they were trying to get because before that it was I don't I'm not gonna say bland, but it 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 really there was nothing really exciting about the no it's like you had either you had stereotypical bad guys with no real motivation for anything they did other than that well i'm a bad guy so i'm supposed to do this right and then you had the super cheesy good guys that had this constant just plastered smile on their face all the time and it's like the only like even before Austin 316, it, it didn't even start to get edgy until Diesel lost the title to Bret Hart at Survivor Series. And then... I'm, and I remember exactly what Diesel mouthed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like... Exactly. And oh, then wow. he proceeded to, to beat the crap out of Bret. And then, you know, Diesel got edgier. So it's like a few people tried to be edgy, I guess, to kind of really keep up. But other than gold dust, nobody really had that edge to them until Austin. Because even then, like when Austin's, because even The Rock was still a well, a, a ways away from being what he became. Because Austin, Austin's wrestling Bret Hart at Survivor Series '96. Rocky's debuting with the white meat babyface Rocky Maivia. Okay, I was about to yeah. ask when did. When yeah. did Rocky Maivia debut? Yeah, it was Survivor Series 96. And then, okay. you know, he gets, he beats Hunter for the Intercontinental title later on the following year. Has a WrestleMania match and all that, but it's just all he heard was die, Rocky die. die. Because he, Vince gave him that stereotypical 80s baby face. That, that gimmick would have worked in, you know, the mid 80s and the cartoonish WWF era. Right. But, it wasn't working with people were just wanting something different from wrestling. And as gro me growing up as an NWA fan, you watch the horsemen and dusty and the road warriors and, you know, Nikita Koloff and all these guys, you watch war games and, you know, Texas bull rope matches and all this. And, and then dog collar matches. Here. Yeah. And dog collar matches. And then you yeah. come over here and you see, no disrespect to any guy that had to carry one of these gimmicks because they did what their employer wanted them to do to earn their paycheck. I, I, I have nothing but respect, but you got garbage men, dentists, you know, yeah. everybody had to have an occupational gimmick in it. Like what is nothing's grabbing people like this stuff that was going on in India in the NWA. And then you got Austin you know, railing against the system and, you know, just pretty much saying whatever he felt, how he actually felt. And, you know, you've got a guy who's, you've got a guy who's legitimately 
upset anyway because he gets fired while he's injured from WCW. So then he gets to go to ECW and vent that frustration, wrestle a few matches, gets to WWE, gets a crap gimmick in the ringmaster. <laughs> that was horrible. And then, so now he wins King of the Ring and he's finally getting to, you know, he's finally getting that spotlight that he should have gotten years ago. And he just ran with it. He just, yeah. he's, he's always said, he said, Stone Cold was me, but it was me turned up to 11. And yeah. he said, that's, he said, if you want to be a success in this business, that's what you've got to do. It's got the, your character has to be an aspect of yourself in order for people to be able to gravitate, whether they sympathize with you or whether they hate you, there's still something about that character that they can relate to. And with Steve Austin, you definitely could because one of the things kind of outside of the WWE, but just for all of wrestling, because I know you bought the after mags the same as I did. Yeah. And you remember how they had the ratings? Because sometimes the very, one of the very first things I'd do, I'd flip to the ratings. Yeah, that was always the first thing I did. I always yeah. looked at the ratings before I read any of the articles. Yep, because, and about that time, you know, of course, I'm going, wow, the only thing left are WWF and WCW because you used to see like Mid-Atlantic, Mid-South, Mid-Southern, yep. Portland, World Class, all those. Yep. But they still had the most popular and the most hated at the time. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, Austin was showing up at the top of both lists. Yeah. Because he was a bad guy, but people were cheering for him. Yes. Because you're right. I mean, they could, they could sympathize. They could empathize with They're like, yes, I, yes, I believe that, you know, he wants, he wants to tear into his boss because he feels like he's being uh, screwed over. And yeah. yes, I can, yes, I can relate to him and yeah, give me a beer. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And you know, he was a blue collar guy. I mean, millions of people could relate to that. He right. was just, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the flashy, you know, high-flying wrestler or any of that he was just you know a down and dirty wrestler yeah which very, very guys, guys like us that grew up with that type of wrestler mm -hmm. it was like hey <laughs> right and so i liked steve austin the wrestler when mick foley came in of course i'm looking at going hey that's cactus jack yeah. and of course he's going first thing he's going after is the undertaker yeah and you know, they had some great matches and he was one of the few that could give the undertaker a good match because undertaker yeah. always had to carry. They yeah. always put big guys. They're like here, yeah. have giant Gonzalez. Okay. Have Yokozuna. Of course, him and Yokozuna had some you know pretty decent matches too. Yeah. Have Bundy. Yay. Yeah. yeah he was the monster. He was the monster killer. Right. It's like that was his thing for a while. And like, I don't think people realize, I think when people look at the undertaker and they think, especially thinking about the streak, a lot of those matches, those early matches in the streak were not very good. Right. I mean, you had him, you had him in a past, way past his prime, Jimmy Snooker. Yep. Now, the match with him and Jake Roberts. That one wasn't bad. That one was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but then he had to wrestle Bundy. And, you know, he had that awful match where he won the title where he had against Sid at uh, WrestleMania 12. No, WrestleMania 13. Um, like the, he didn't start having those classic matches until like deep into his career. Mm -hmm. I remember honestly, for me, the streak really started feeling important 
at probably WrestleMania, probably WrestleMania 17 when he wrestled his first match with Triple H. Okay. And then, but then really, that was a really good match, but his match with Flair at 18. Mm-hmm. Up in for Toronto. me, that, that, yeah, that was the yeah. best match on the show. Yeah, I'd pick, I'd pick him and Flair. I just went back and watched it last week, and it's still just as good as it was when I first saw it. Yeah, and those were two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Anyway, them two and Shawn Michaels, as far as like, and then Arn went on in with the, the spine back there. I that, was like, yes. that was awesome. <laughs> he just kind of <laughs> snuck in and boop, boop, <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, I guess his neck is okay for today. He just had to be, you know, and I know he had to be careful doing that because yeah. I mean, that neck injury was legit. But even the Undertaker during this time, because you know, like you said, and he went Snooker past, and you knew Snooker was past his prime because the man was actually wearing boots in the ring. Yeah, he, he was not yes. being barefoot. But yeah. Snooker and then Jake Roberts were the the tombstone outside the ring was about two foot above actually anything. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like, all right, y'all, y'all. Give really me credit though; he sold it. I he mean, did he did his it. part. I mean, uh, and then the next year at nine, which WrestleMania nine, a lot of people want to forget that one anyway. That's when he was against Giant Gonzalez, and that was yes, just, he, that was just terrible. Yeah, and that um, was no fault of the Undertaker. There, nobody was going to get a good match. Nobody was going to get a watchable match out of the Giant Gonzalez. No, they couldn't. And, they couldn't get one. With all the t- the stacked talent they had in the NWA when he was Eligante in the NWA, they couldn't get a good match out of him then. I don't know why they thought they were going to get a good match out of him. Well, he wasn't he wasn't later. athletic, you know. No, he was just tall. He, he wasn't brought- athletic. He wasn't strong. He was just tall. Right. Ted Turner brought him in to play for the Hawks. Yeah. And- <laughs> He's seven. I mean, he was like a what seven four seven. I mean, a legit Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, because he. The Undertaker doesn't have to physically look up at many people. No, but John Gonzalez well, he had to look way up. At, yeah, and the Undertaker is like you know, I think six ten and a half, six something eleven, like something like that. You know, he's you know he's a tall guy, but he still had to look way up. Yeah, and but for somebody to be that tall, and they still can't get him on the basketball team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. just put him, yeah. put him under the. Under the basket, make sure he's not standing in the lane. Throw him the ball, have him reach over, dunk it. That that's your whole yeah. strategy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, well, and it's either that or you have him stand under their basket and just block everything without yeah. hopefully without goaltending. <laughs> we couldn't even do that. But but the Undertaker, even his gimmicks started changing some then, because that's when they had uh, the Ministry of Darkness was during yeah. the Attitude Era. And which were, I like, I liked the Ministry of Darkness at the beginning. Yes, but then when they merged it with the corporation, then I was like, uh. And they were they were kind of. You had to be careful when they started crucifying people. Yeah, I was a little uh, when they like, especially like when they strapped Austin to the symbol, right, and wrote, and pulled him up into the you know the top of the arena, whatever. It's like. Yeah, you're going a little far. Yeah, and a lot of people may not feel comfortable with that. Uh, even yeah. if they're not even really religious, they still may look and go, you know, um, hmm. Yeah, yeah you it's like, wanna... I know what this is supposed to symbolize, and it's like, mm, no. Uh, but it was the Undertaker himself who finally nixed it. Yeah, 
because yeah. it was his wife who got him in. He's like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. And right. He goes, and he's one of the few people that can tell Vince, I'm not doing that. And Vince yep. just look at him and go, okay. Well, that's just like when he came back as the biker. That's how he told he told Vince, this is what I want to do. Right. This wasn't a Vince. This wasn't like a booking decision or anything. This was the Undertaker being like, my character's getting stale. And where we're at right now, with more realism, this is what I think I need to this do. Is, and that was more in line with Mark Calloway. Yeah. You know, not, I liked, liked the biker, the, the biker game. A lot of right. people didn't like it. I I always liked it. I liked the biker oh, gimmick. Yeah, so did I. And even if he was a bad guy, yeah. and, and he was an absolute well, kind of a jerk when he was oh, yeah, yeah. Especially but, once he once he cut his once he cut his hair short, like when yeah. he turned on Jim Ross and cut his hair short and all that. Yeah. That was the the version of the biker undertaker I loved the best because he was just he just did not care. And it was the two thousand two, I think, Royal Rumble where first he came in and eliminated the Hardy boys and they, they jumped back in and he eliminated them again. And he was mouthing at them. And then Maven dropped, yes. kicked him from behind and, and yeah, in his face, he just kind of yeah. turned around. You're like, Oh, this is not going to be, be pretty. Yeah, Maven's looking like it's one of those, like in a horror movie where, you know, you're dead and it's like, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> and he came in and and he did throw him over the top rope. A lot of people said Maven wasn't eliminated. No, he actually did throw yeah. him over the top rope. And if you go by a lot of their rules later on, if they yep. went over the top, they went over the top. Yep. But I don't know if you've heard how the Undertaker because Maven, I mean, he was you know the first winner of Tough Enough. Yeah. And so he was nervous, like extremely nervous, especially because he's going to eliminate the Undertaker. Undertaker yeah, he, he got him drunk. Like- he- he was drunk. Yeah. yeah he, he got him drunk before. He, was, he originally started and was taking like just like a few shots to calm his nerves. And by the time he got out there, he was drunk. Yeah. And he performed pretty well for somebody who was three sheets to the wind. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I think some of the other things during the Attitude Era and something that you see now but you don't they had some factions then that they should have probably never ever not started in the vein that they did because now all of a sudden they started, basically they were they were creating factions they were creating street gangs yeah because even i mean even the uh what was it even the 97 survivor series that was the whole like tagline was gang rules yeah, yeah, right. Los Bariquas. You had the Nation of Domination. You had uh, Disciples of Apocalypse. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I was like, what was the biker gang? I cannot remember. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, do you really think? Well, okay, maybe you could almost get away with that in '97. Even though I was still, I even I was like, yeah, that's you're kind of walking some border. Of course, that's what Vince Russo did. I mean, he. Yeah. If there was any gray areas there, he just, you know, any thin oh, lines, yeah. he just broke them. Yeah. I really don't think you could do a, a gimmicks like that now. Um, it'd be hard just because of the way things are right now. And so I think the wrong people would latch on to whichever they would associate yeah. with. Yeah. 
And, and the only one of those groups that even made any sense was the nation. Yeah. That was the only group that made any sense. Like the only reason they had DOA was because Farouk kicked Crush out of the nation. <laughs> right. So he started that, that, but then he ended up getting fired and going to WCW. So yep. you had Ryan Lee, who had just come from ECW. So he ends up being the leader. You had him and the Harris brothers. Yep. You know, and then the only reason there was Los Bariquas was because Savio gets fired from the nation right. and creates his own faction. But nobody was ever taking people took the nation seriously, but they didn't take these other these other. Right. The other ones were reactions. Yeah. Yeah. And but in Farouk, he you know, Ron Simmons, I mean, of course, he made it very believable, too. Yes, Absolutely. And he must have liked at least the character name because he stayed Farouk the rest of his career. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, right. I mean, Ron, Ron With, Simmons. I mean, in, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say he's one of the probably one of the most. He's very underrated, even though he he got a lot of props, but he's still very underrated because the man was yeah. just legitimately tough. And I I don't think I would want to. Um, his spinebuster. His spinebuster is not my favorite. But it looks like it just hurts, like the most of yeah. Yeah, technique wise, it's not pretty, but But it looks like it looks like he's break literally breaking you in half. Yeah, he looks like he's a bouncer, and somebody's trying to like run in the door, and he just grabs him. Nope. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, JBL said that he, uh, because you know him and JBL are best friends, right? And he said that he said that. He said he'll tell anybody. Everybody's like, you know, talking about how tough JBL is. He's like, Ron Simmons is the toughest man that I've ever known. He's like, and I would not cross Ron Simmons. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the nicest guy you'll ever meet, but he is the baddest man out there. And <laughs> do not cross <laughs> um, and I And I loved how him and JBL became the APA later on. That, yeah. I, that was just right. awesome. Yeah, and I liked them from the beginning, like from even like when the Jackal uh, was their manager for like a cup of coffee. And then, you know, he was gone. He ended up in ECW. He was uh, Cyrus the Virus. Uh, And uh, but then, you know, Bradshaw and Farouk just took it and just kept going with it. And then once they started doing the, the act like protection agency, it was like that stuff was just gold. Right. And see, I mean, there was some, there was some good stuff that came out of the attitude era, but not nearly as much as people want to think there were. They, people act like that. They hold the attitude era up there. Like everything was steamboat and flare. No, we're close. Everything was a five-star classic that happened in the Attitude Era. And we both know two-thirds of that stuff in the Attitude Era is just, can just be ignored because there was no point to it. It was just gratuitous stuff just to get a, just for shock value. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and they, I mean, they only did that stuff to get people to turn the channel because WCW was just kicking their butts, mm-hmm. you know, for two they, years. They were popping a rating. Yeah, yeah they were, that's all yeah, they were doing. They were 
waiting is all they were doing. But at the same time, it's like, in a way they were damaging their product because it's like people were turning. There's a reason people turned from WWF mm-hmm. to WCW, especially when the NWO started. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, there's your edge. There yeah. is, you know, and everybody was like, Oh my God, the NWO. It's like a thing was worldwide and WWF was just playing catch up. If if it hadn't been for WCW doing that, Vince would have never. There never would have been an attitude error because Vince would have stuck with that cookie cutter, cartoony WWF that he had been put producing or, forever. Or Ted Turner would have been the one buying. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or Ted Turner would have bought them because they were at a time they were they were close to going out. Oh of business. yeah. Because that's where the the. Well, they should have never signed anybody to a 20-year contract anyway, but the whole yeah. deal with Bret Hart. Yeah. And and Bret Hart, actually, he wasn't he, – he really didn't like the Attitude Era stuff going on to begin with because he's very yeah. much – he Bret Hart has some fantastic matches. Uh, he yeah. really has. Uh, um, one of the greatest out there. But his character was kind of bland. You know, yeah, it was kind of like Vince would say, it was kind of, it was kind of passe. It was like, yeah, it was kind of like it was what what happened to Brett's, what happened to Hogan. Mm-hmm. It's like people got tired of hearing, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. They got tired of that cheesy Matt. superhero character. And I think people started liking Brett better when they had the double turn with him and Austin at thirteen. Yes. He was much more interesting once yeah. once he once he became a heel, he was a whole lot more interesting. And his promos were even better. Because mm-hmm. you could tell part of that was his real frustration with how the business was going. And it it helped his promos. Right. And if we look at the WrestleManias during a time, because if we say, okay, if the Attitude Era say it started King of the Ring 96. Austin, yeah. 316, uh, Triple H, who couldn't, he was supposed to win King of the Ring, and we know he didn't yeah. because of the whole... Yeah. The whole curtain call. Yeah. Curtain call, thank you. Couldn't remember the name of it. Um, the next WrestleMania was 13. Not a good WrestleMania except for one match. Except for Austin and Bret Hart. Yep. Exactly. If, if I ever go back and watch anything from that pay-per-view, that's the match. I go to that match, watch it, and then go, and then move on. Right. And 14 main event was that was the one up in Boston. And that well, was that was all that was Austin and Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels. Yeah. What were some of the and that was the one that that one got a ton of publicity because of Mike Tyson. Yeah. What but looking back on it, it wasn't a very good show. No, it wasn't. And and I know bringing Tyson in as part of the attitude era, I would say that did make sense because yeah. Tyson had, he had just gotten out of prison, not that long before that. Yeah. And, and so people were already looking at him um, almost kind of a pariah because of what he did to get into prison. Yeah. And, you know, cause we have daughters. I mean, we know, and cause yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But the th- and the thing about that is though, he spent all, he spent all that time in prison for, for that crime. Mm-hmm. And then years later, um, the woman said it never happened. Really? Yeah, she I, got, I hadn't she, seen that part. 
he pretty much got paid to say that he did that job. And see, and now, I mean, Tyson, of course, his stock is really high now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's definitely turned himself around. Because, I mean, now he's um, kind of a, almost like an 18 player again. Yeah. Uh, just 20-some-odd years later. But he brought that publicity, and he brought more edginess because, I mean, Mike Tyson was a bad dude. And, yeah, you know, um, and this was before – this was right after he bit the ear of Evander Holyfield. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like uh, just a couple months after. Yeah. And if that tells you something. I mean, the man will, uh, he will bite an ear off of somebody, not just yeah. bite it, bite it off. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'd also read at the time, and I actually read this from a, an official WWE like publication about WrestleMania. Somebody pointed out, look, Tyson's asking for X amount of money. If we give him that amount of money, we're going to end up losing money overall on the pay-per-view. And Vince said, we're still going to do it. He said, that's how we grow the business. Yeah. And so bringing Tyson, I mean, and it obviously. It, it worked. Yeah. So, but that was another one of those things. Um, I'm trying to think of any other matches on that card. Let's see. WrestleMania 14, you had the Outlaws and. Terry Funk and Cactus for the tag titles it was a dumpster match. Right. Not, I mean, it was it was cool that Cactus and Terry Funk won the tag titles together, but it it was a forgettable match. Right. I can't think of anything really on. Is that the one they they started it was with the first Undertaker and Kane match? Which, looking back on it now, it wasn't a very good match because it was their first time ever wrestling each other. So there's, right. they still had to work everything out. So okay. they still had to work the kinks out. They've had much better matches, you know, through their career against each other. Really, Austin and Michaels is the only standout. And really, the reason it was standout, Austin wins the title. But Sean put on an amazing performance considering his back was in horrible shape yes he had the i mean crushed vertebrae yeah the dude could barely you know you could tell there was times he could barely stand and he still went through that match of course he didn't want to drop a title but right undertaker undertaker, <laughs> undertaker was kind of backstage persuading yeah, go him ahead. He's like, go ahead. Right, but, He's like, yeah. hey mark what you're doing oh don't worry about me yeah, yeah don't worry about me but yeah uh, him if he comes through the comes through the curtain with that title. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm actually going to look up 14 right now because now I'm just, you know, curious. As yeah, because I can't remember a whole lot on there except for the, you know, and then I know they had the tag team battle royal that uh, the road or L whatever the hawk and animal <laughs> LOD 2000. Yeah, that should never happen too. No uh let me see um where's a stupid list all right i'll take on it here we go okay the tag team battle royal then takamichinoku against aguila for the the wwf light heavyweight championship yeah they had the light heavyweight title for a little while uh, Triple H against Owen Hart for the WWF European Championship. Yeah, I remember that now. China was handcuffed to slaughter. Yep. 
um marrow and sable beat gold dust and luna that was one of the, the you, you know if you hurt or you're fired yeah yeah uh the rock beat ken shamrock for the i forgot about that now i'll take that back they those two had great chemistry they, they always did. had really, they always had really good matches um and you mentioned cactus and terry chainsaw dude yeah <laughs> what? i don't get it hey we're gonna put some i have candy. no idea why they <laughs> had him do that gimmick when he couldn't because later on in the same year he was just going by terry funk right so it's like why <laughs> and so somebody said hey we gotta have something for him hey i got some pantyhose want to put that on his head <laughs> oh let's do it <laughs> but but yeah you know besides okay austin michaels was a good match Rock yeah. and Ken Shamrock, good match. Uh, Triple yeah. H and Owen, I'd have to watch it again. It's been a while, but I would imagine that was probably a decent I mean, match. it was a pretty good match, but it was kind of overshadowed by the slaughter of China shenanigans on the outside. Right. But, yeah. So, but nothing really um, makes you think, oh, that's an awesome WrestleMania. No. Uh, then the next one, also during the Attitude Era, I'm just kind of pointing out something during the Attitude Era. 15 was the one in Philadelphia. And terrible pay per view. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Rock and Austin, their first meeting, but. Yeah. Which I honestly, for me, wasn't a very good match. I didn't think it was very. I thought you could tell they were, you could tell they had good chemistry, but they but were kind of the, feeling their, you know, right. being in that spot, they were kind of still like the feeling out process. And then there was way too much outside stuff happening. Exactly. And. Part of the other matches, Jacqueline with Terry Runnels defeated Ivory. Yeah, which was would have been a good match if they had been given longer than like three minutes. Uh, a minute twenty-three. Ah, even short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's what I'm talking about. It's like Ivory is a great wrestler. Jacqueline mm-hmm. is Jacqueline a great wrestler. wrestler. They they should have been given time to go out there and show what they're capable of doing, but it's like. They treated these women like bathroom breaks. Exactly. It's like we're just going to throw the women's match out there because everybody's going to go through the bathroom and nobody cares about this well, match. And, and that one was the first dark match. Oh, that's the sad thing. They had the battle royal to determine the number one contenders to the WWF Tag Team Championship. It was Test and D'Lo ended up winning it. Yes, and uh, so they throw them together, and then because Jer- Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart were the tag champions. Yes. And so you're going to take some guys. It doesn't matter if they, they already knew, obviously, you know, who was going to win that, but they're not a team. So they're yeah. not going to have chemistry together as a team. Right. And it, so, you know, that's and so it's not going to be believable that they're going to have a chance of winning the titles. Um, Hardcore Holly defeated Al Snow and Billy Gunn for the hardcore championship. Yeah. I remember that. Cause yeah, um, cause Billy Gunn was the, Billy Gunn was the hardcore champion. Road Dog was the intercontinental champion. champion. Yeah, even though Billy Gunn did not, the person, Monty Sop, did not want yeah. the hardcore championship because he, um, I don't know, a lot of people know this. He, had, he has asthma. And that's why he was always a tag team guy because he needed to have those breaks outside the ring. Right, right. You know, outstanding athlete, every bit as big and tall as Hulk Hogan. Yeah, uh, but yeah. unfortunately, the asthma actually did affect. Yeah, him. even and, now, I mean, he's an AEW. He's uh, he wrestles and he's a coach, and he is still in amazing shape. Oh yeah, 
you know, all these years later. Um, the the tag team championship, which we know with Owen and Jeff, I mean, that would be a good match. The D'Lo and Test would be a decent match. But that one, because it's just yeah. kind of thrown together. Yeah. Um, Butterbean, Bart Gunn. Yeah. And we know what that, <laughs> And that was just punishment Ooh. because... Bart won the Bart won tough enough when he wasn't supposed to, even though oh the brawl for all, yeah brawl for all, yeah yeah brawl for all, and it was a legit shoot, yeah. So he wins a legit shoot, gets Vince gets mad because he wins the legit shoot, (laughs) so we're going to put him in the ring with Butterbean, and then fire him days later after he gets legitimately knocked knocked out. out. That just mankind. Well, they, wanted, they wanted Steve Austin to win it to build Steve Austin up as a challenger for Stone Cold. Then Bart Gunn knocks out Steve Steve, you know, Steve Dr. Death. Yeah. Steve Williams. Yeah. Sorry. They wanted Dr. Death Steve Williams to win the Brawl for All so that he could start a feud with Steve Austin. <laughs> with Steve Austin, Steve Williams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then Bart Gunn knocks out Dr. Death legitimately. Yeah. And ends up winning Brawl for All. So their whole plans went up in smoke. So then they punished the man for winning and could have potentially hurt this man for life getting knocked out by Butterbean. Right. And have you seen The Dark Side of the Ring and they talk about the Brawl for All? Yes. I have watched that one. Yes, Vince Russo, his reasoning for starting the Brawl for All. Yeah. Yeah, thanks there, Vince Russo. By the way, uh, he follows the Twitter account. I don't know if I told you that. Does he really? Yeah, I don't know if he listens to the podcast. Vince Russo, if you listen to the podcast, please email us at armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com or or send me a DM on Twitter. We'd love to have you on the show. Yeah. Even though we're kind of running your name through the mud a little bit right now, just well, we're, running, we're running your actions through the mud right now. Exactly. Not your name so much as your actions. Right. Uh, but Mankind and Big Show, the winner would be the special guest referee in the main event. That was just that was just shenanigans. That's all it was. Yeah. It was like not even a match, really. Oh, here's one that it might make you puke in your mouth a little bit. So I apologize beforehand. Sable defeated Tory singles match for the WWF women's championship. And Sable was the champion going into the match. Yes. Yeah. So like I said, uh, Nicole Bass came. That's when Nicole Bass debuted as uh, Sable's bodyguard. Now, just thinking about Sable as champion, does that make you kind of puke in your mouth a little bit? Oh, yeah. 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 Especially since since Sable beat beat Jacqueline to win the women's title. Yeah. I'm so yeah. glad Jacqueline went in the Hall of Fame, though. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, she definitely deserved. I have to having put over Sable, uh, she definitely earned her spot. In the, yes. she, absolutely. So, and there's some other matches. Undertaker would beat Big Boss Man. That was a Hell in a Cell match where they hung the Big Boss Man. Yeah. Now, special effects wise, hey, it's like going to an Alice Cooper concert. Yeah. But then the next day, you know, he's back in there and they're like nothing. Yeah, happened. he's back in there wrestling. And like, what sense of the, he was just hanging from the top of the cell. Right. So shouldn't you have at least had him off, off the show for a few weeks selling this or whatever, you know? Yeah. Coming there with like bruises on his neck or something. Yeah. 
Uh, but so once again, a WrestleMania that, like you said, was not a good WrestleMania. I mean, yeah. it really wasn't. And 16 or WrestleMania 2000, that one um, ha- already has a reputation as being a bad one because every match except for one, well, no, okay, rephrase that. Only one match did not have multiple competitors. There was only one singles match, and it was the women. And Terry and the cat in a stink face match. Yes. Yep. <sighs> yep. Seriously, people. <laughs> I mean, and the honestly, another attitude era pay per view that was terrible. Mm-hmm. But by you this know, time, I it, think Russo was gone, wasn't he? Yeah, Russo was. Yeah, because Russo was Russo was over there doing this same kind of stuff in WCW, but they were yeah. still. <laughs> going along with you know his blueprint so to speak the only matches worth watching off wrestlemania 2000 is the triple threat with angle jericho and benoit yes that one's good and the triangle ladder match the first dudley's yeah dudley's hardy's edge and christian for the tag titles even the main event the main event was two people too many because It should have just been The Rock and Triple H for the title. I get giving Mick Foley his WrestleMania main event, and I respect them for doing that. Big Show was not ready for that spot. No, not by a long shot, because I think Big Show, uh, wasn't he sent back to OVW not long after this? Yes. I think pretty much, I think right after that WrestleMania, yeah, they sent him down to OVW for more seasoning, as they call it, because he wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't as ready as they thought. And it's like, you couldn't tell that, you know, in the last, you know, from February of 99 when he debuted until WrestleMania 2000, you couldn't tell that he had gotten a little lazy. You could tell that in WCW before he left, that he had gotten a little lazy and wasn't where he needed to be. When I mean, he, he goes from being able to throw top top rope drop kicks to barely being able to throw a big boot. Yeah, and when the man's lighting up cigarettes in the ring, yeah, uh, it's like you know you have a problem. And the Attitude Era, I, I want to say it kind of ended around two thousand one. Yeah, um, that's when ruthless aggression. That's when, of course, they bought out WCW. Yeah, and the invasion and all that. Yeah, Asians. Another story that great idea, poorly executed. Yeah, well, because the it, it was never Vince never wanted it to be competitive. He just wanted to bury what was left of WCW. Right. He just wanted he bought it so he could just so he could kill it twice. And killed, so that way he could kill it in the boardroom when he bought it, mm-hmm. and then he could kill it on air with all the wrestlers that he signed and he buried all of them. Yeah. There's a few that actually did rise back up like Booker T Booker T rose back up. Yeah. Um, but DDP DD- never did. He killed DDP yeah. with the stalker gimmick. That was just, well, he had the motivational speaker thing after that, which actually kind of fits yeah. with DDP now, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, but it's like, you have a three time WCW world champion, you know, he could have centered this whole thing around him and Booker. Mm-hmm. you know and you just you have him be the stalker and then just get slaughtered by the undertaker and his wife at every turn yeah and then 
Booker, you feed him to the rock, you make Booker look like an idiot. And it was just, he just did that to humiliate these guys. Yeah, because they were a WCW loyalist. And, yep. But the good thing about it, when it ended, WrestleMania X7 or 17 was actually a pretty good WrestleMania, I think. Honestly, I still, I've watched every WrestleMania that there's ever been, and I still feel like WrestleMania 17 is still the best one. There's honestly, if I had to take, if I had to pull one match out of there, it would be the gimmick battle Royal. I liked it, but it was kind of I funny. Mean, it. it was funny for what it was, for what it was. But, but when it's surrounded by all this other great wrestling, that would be the only <laughs> match that I would take out. Oh, and it, I think it didn't help it. It followed the, it followed TLC too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got Austin rock, which is, their best match ever yeah and one of the best wrestlemania main events ever you've got austin rock you've bad got ending it ended badly yeah well but... i actually i like i like the ending i had no problem with him turning heel and using vince to win the title my only thing is when they went to the explanation part in the next in the following week of television he should have just beat the crap out of vince and said i just used you to win the title and still right. stayed heel but just beat the just say I used Vince to win the title, but I don't need you, right. and go on. But uh, I didn't mind the heel turn, but because I thought you know after a while there's only you know Austin was only going to go so far doing the same stuff that he'd done for years without you, you know fresh some kind of right. You have to have some kind of evolution of your character, and it's kind of funny because yeah. you mentioned earlier that you think the streak really started for Undertaker in this one. This is one of the first one yeah. he went against Triple H. Yeah. Uh, wasn't this one where the referee did a bump and was like out cold for like 15 minutes? Yeah, the referee was out for like 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, they fought, they fought in the crowd. They fought on some of the scaffolding because Triple H got choke slammed off of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the referee was out for like ever. And now with the gimmick Battle Royal, uh, first, them actually calling it a gimmick battle royal. Yeah. That, you know, Ten years prior, you wouldn't have seen that because that'd still been no. breaking kayfabe. Yeah. But there, it's always been remarked that the entrances actually took longer than the battle royal itself. Yeah. And, and the but, Iron Sheik won because the Iron Sheik couldn't do anything. Right. He had bad knees. So he, he had bad knees and couldn't do anything. So they let him win because... Nobody could throw him over the rope because he was going to mess his knees up going over the top. Right. He couldn't really give any offense because he couldn't move that good. And they had this particular WrestleMania was actually down in Houston. And I noticed there were some of when they came out because um, it, even though it was held in Houston, a lot, of course, you're going to have a lot of fans there who kept it to the world-class wrestling. When Kamala yes. came out, people just, they exploded. Yeah. Because Kamala, he was big and world class yeah. for a long time. Michael Hayes, Michael, Michael Hayes, Hayes yeah, yeah. Um, Bruce Pritchard is is actually from Houston, so Brother Love, when yep. he came out, of course, they loved him. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, Cornette Wrestling, that was kind of, yeah, yeah. they they got out of there quickly. <laughs> yeah. him, him and Bruce yeah. Pritchard, yeah. And it makes me kind of wondered, could y'all find a couple other people besides Cornette and Brother Love? Yeah. I had them as managers, yeah, yeah but. But he also had Kamalo had, um, I want to say, I keep on calling him Friday, but I think in the WWF they always called him Kim Chi. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, it was kimchi. Right, and I want to remind them, you know, kimchi is actually a Korean delicacy that you can have over there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a yeah, Korean- I, I never understood why they why they use that name. Yeah, that. Um, and I think that was was that Steve Lombardi from for that one because he was one of the people who played kimchi. I think he uh, well. No, was the baller in that match? Ah, uh, you know what? Let me look. I uh, let's see. Bushwhackers, sheep herders, not Bush Island. Doink, uh, Nikolai Tugboat, the goon who was um, Bill Irwin. Yeah. Um, earthquake, gobbledygooker. Um, yeah, they could have really done without that one too. Yeah. Um, Brother Love, Michael Hayes, One Man Gang. Because he he had lost so much weight, he couldn't wear the Akeem costume anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm glad. I liked One Man Gang better anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Akeem, that one was just bad. Akeem, the African dream. dream I like, just, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we'll have to talk about your, we'll have to talk about your opinion about that one and another, you know, some of the other things in wrestling on a, on a later episode that we actually <laughs> talked about. Um, Let's see, Kimchi, Cornette, Repo Man, you know, Barry Darso, um, yep. Hillbilly Jim, and Sergeant Slaughter. Hillbilly Jim, who I think is one of the most overrated characters ever because he got hurt and so he never wrestled, so, but he was there just to make appearances and people loved yeah. him. Yeah. Nothing yeah. against the man, you know, because he seemed like a pretty stand up guy, but, and he actually was from like somewhere near Mudlick, Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know, did you watch the, what's it called, Legends House that they had? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, and he was on that. I, I I thought that one was actually um my wife, she watched it too and she liked it. But that that being the end of the attitude era, and now what we're seeing, like we mentioned at the, the start of the podcast with Roman Reigns with his promo that that one would have fit perfectly in yeah. with the old attitude era. MVP dropping uh, words and that one's on that's on USA because I have kind of noticed it seems like they're also reacting to what's going on in AEW because AEW being on TNT, yeah, they're dropping they have a lot more freedom to do that kind of stuff. That... Right with with cable, you can do your language and certain, I guess, um, insinuations. Yeah, um, you know, a little more than what you could on regular terrestrial television. And yeah, so, you know they're taking advantage of that. Which, okay, um, kids be warned. Yeah. So now I feel the WWE is actually they're responding, they're reacting to that because when AEW from the very first episode they had on Wednesday night, what did WWE do? Boom! Oh, let's put NXT same time. Oh, oh was yeah. Who won that battle? And yeah, and the thing is, NXT as great as NXT was all they were doing wwe is not concerned about people enjoying wrestling they're they want people to just enjoy their wrestling right only their wrestling and i get that i get about healthy competition but at the same time when you're just going out of your way to try to kill another promotion before it can even get off the ground that's just pettiness because you're mad because somebody dare challenge this conglomerate that you've built and it's like and i feel like they've gotten they got really complacent after 
they bought the rights to all the WC, the ECW stuff. They bought WCW. They were the only game in town. I yeah. mean, you had the, you had the independents, and you had because TNA wasn't even a thing yet. Right. You had WWF, and then you had small independent companies, or go to Japan, which Japan right. Japan Japan was nowhere near as mainstream as New Japan Pro Wrestling has come, become. Right. So they were the only game in town and they got really complacent with that. And they let all these other people pop up around them. So now they're in the middle in this little bubble, but you have this whole wealth of wrestling around the world that people are enjoying. And the ratings on raw alone are showing that mm -hmm. people don't want what you're, what you're selling. Right. Now, SmackDown's ratings stay good because SmackDown is much better than Raw. It, One, it, it's, two, it's two hours, so you don't have an hour worth of filler. Right. And then Roman's the best thing they got. The absolute best thing that they have going as a heel, as a storyline, whatever, is Roman Reigns. They need to ride that out as long as they possibly can because they're never going to get something that good again. Here's what amazes me also about that promo. Do you think he ad-libbed that or do you think it was written? Because we know that he's he was always going on script before. I think that I think that since he's come back with the tribal chief gimmick, I think it has been more off the top of his head. I think it's been I think he's comfortable and I think he's comfortable giving promos. And I think he's getting, I think they've given him a lot more leeway. I've, I think they've given him the John Cena or CM Punk treatment where you need to hit these bullet points, but it's your promo to come up with because and, he feels natural. Mm -hmm. Everything he says in a promo, you can tell he doesn't feel, it doesn't sound stilted or it doesn't sound like he's just reading off a teleprompter or off a piece of paper. It just feels natural coming out. I'm actually going to, there's something I'm going to look up real quick about him and the Usos. Well, with what he said on Friday, uh, they may actually read it back in a little bit and go, all right, look, we said you can say what you want to say. However, you're on regular network television. Not they might or they might not because they never rang Cena in regardless of what network he was on. And Cena's gotten away with saying some some racy stuff at times. They oh, never they never rein in The Rock whenever The Rock is on WWE TV. Well, and The Rock pretty much says whatever he wants to say. Yeah, because The Rock's also the highest paid actor in Hollywood right now. So that is, they would that is true. But um, I mean, but they've always done that with The Rock. Even before, even when he was doing the Disney stuff before, you know because he was contracted to do so many movies with Disney and then moved on to other stuff, he was still coming back and he just had, you know, a blank sheet, do whatever he wanted to. I was actually looking up the birthdays or the birth dates really of Roman Reigns and the Usos. Cause I'm thinking, you know, if Roman is a few years older than them, it would actually be natural for him to always kind of be like their leader because they yeah. would have grown up like that. Yeah. Nope. 
he is older. He, let's see, uh, he's three months older. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so that, that theory just went right out the window. Um, but, I mean, you could tell, even in the shield, you could tell Roman was going to be the guy. Oh, yeah. You, you just, and you could tell he had what it took to be the guy. He had that presence. He was, and people always talk, you know, they, they throw that out, the same thing they did with Cena. You can't wrestle. Roman's always been able to wrestle. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, they, he was hamstring, especially when he, when they turned him face and was trying to make him the face of the company. And they went back to that 1995 blueprint of the always grrinning, cheesy, the rock. you know, yeah, super yeah, Rocky Maivia. Yeah, that was the '96 Survivor Series Rock. Basically, that's what they did to Roman with the suffering succotash and all the stuff like that. And it's yeah. like, and you saw a glimpse of what he could be the night after he beat the Undertaker when he came out on Raw and stood in the ring five minutes while they, while everybody just booed him out of the building and just said he just my yard now my yard now and walked Mm -hmm. away you saw what he could have been they should have they should have ran with that right then Mm -hmm. turned him heel and made a whole lot of money now it took him saying i'm not coming back unless i can be healed because they were going to boo him anyway and yeah exactly he, he said, why not go with it? They're going to boo me regardless. And apparently he was actually legitimately having a hard time dealing with all the boos yeah. because he's like, I'm yeah. supposed to be a good guy yeah. and they're still booing me. And part of that, I think, was also the backlash that came from him not being Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And yeah. because of they, that. They put, him, they put him in an impossible spot. They really Because did. they were pushing him to be the guy. But here's the guy over here that everybody wanted. So instead of just backing off on Roman for a little while and going again with Daniel Bryan, they just ignored this thinking, oh, well, we're just going to push Roman on you and you're going to accept him. And they didn't. And and also about The Rock, uh, two things about him real quick. When you watch like some of his old stuff when he's rocking my V and he's smiling, I know you got to be looking going, man, that hair, though. And yeah, <laughs> he's, he's even said like, I follow him on Instagram, like he's one of my favorite people and I follow him on Instagram and he's all, he like the anniversary of that survivor series, like every year he talks about that and he's like, I can't believe I had that haircut. Yeah. And then he'll that. talk about the one where he's got the picture of him in the turtleneck and the fanny pack and he'll, Oh, I saw somebody had, I saw one recently. I have to think about where I saw it, where, that one with him, the turtleneck and the fanny pack, and they had to where it's moving it, the neck kind of. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I can't even look at that thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but he's like, yeah, that hair. He's like, I don't, oh, I don't know. Man. What I don't know what happened. <laughs> and he's even, he's even said, I had my hair cut like a pineapple. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> why. Yeah. And then he had like the, the, the necklace type thing and had streamers yeah. off of it. And I just, I don't know. I don't and, know what that was. And I was even thinking then, okay, Rocky Maivia. Okay, so his dad's Rocky Johnson's grandfather's Peter Maivia. That's cool that he, you know, he's actually paying tribute yeah. to both of them. But man, um, yeah. yeah, he needs to like do something different because he's actually, you know, kind of besmirching their names right now. Yeah, it's like that was just. And, and he actually wrestled like a 
typical baby face like what we would see in the NBA. He's throwing drop kicks. He's doing all those kind of moves. Yeah, even his finisher was a Ricky Steamboat cross body from the top. Yeah, that's how he finished, that's how he finished matches. And it's like, yeah, I mean, he would have fit perfect in like mid eighties NWF. Right, would that would have worked. But in nineteen ninety six WWF, when you've got you know. When you're in Madison Square Garden, it's, you know, and Psycho Sid is, you know, getting overly cheered over Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. Rocky Maivia wasn't working. When no. Austin and Sid are getting cheered over Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, you can tell the winds were changing. And my favorite rock promo, and I know he has his classic ones, you know, um, like when he first said, you're courtesy of The Rock, or can you smell The Rock is cooking that? Yeah. At WrestleMania 32, I think, or 33, the one where uh, he went against um, Eric Rowan. When yes. him and yeah. Austin McFoley came in there again, he kind of yeah. went to the Wyatts. And I love Bray Wyatt, love the character, but I had to give The Rock props on this. When The Rock looked at him and said, you call yourself the eater, eater of worlds where I'm standing, you look like the eater of Hot Pockets. when he said that and bray wyatt i mean he even started laughing but they had to get the camera off of him because it kind of caught him off guard made him break character and you know that that was my favorite rock one rock promo um of all time just my personal favorite but the rock i mean he was he was a big part of the attitude era but the rock his character could have survived at any time I think Austin could have survived at any time. Foley, same thing. Triple Um, H, Undertaker. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And they actually, and they, they evolved to match what was going on. They, they actually changed their character as need be. Yeah. The ones now, and this is where I think the WWE, if they are trying to bring back something, even if, if it's like Attitude Era light, I think it's a big mistake. And AEW, if they keep on trying to become like a new ECW. Yeah. Nick Gage turning, you know, um, Chris Jericho's forehead into Little Caesar's pizza last night. Yeah. yeah. And that, they, they got to remember, that's something that people are going to say, okay, I'm not going to let my kids watch this. And I've, yeah. seen, I've seen criticism on Twitter. Somebody said, well, if you're letting your kids watch something that you knew Nick Gage was going to be headlining, that's your fault you're right i'm I'm not going to let my kids watch it because of nick gage i mean he's known for doing things like that and yeah so, yeah and so i didn't even have it on yeah but i think if they're trying to go down that path especially when you have the talent like cody Rhodes, like chris jericho and why would but i you think go that, that i think at least with aew though they use that kind of stuff sparingly it's not a they try to use like right now. Um, Jericho is going through uh, MJF. It's like the labors of Jericho, kind of like the labors of Hercules. And he's right. like he, Nick Gage was, you know, one of his labors. But then next week, Jericho has to wrestle Juventud Guerrero. So they're not going to stick with the hardcore thing. It's just they went with what works because you're not going to get a five star classic out of Nick Gage. He's no. he's a hardcore deathmatch guy, so they kind of they kind of had to give him that environment in order to get the good match. So, but at least with AEW, they they kind of use that violence 
sparingly. It's not a, you know, it's not a constant thing. It's, it's not a demolition derby. Yeah, it's not a demolition derby. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a demolition derby. You see it every once in a while. And once in a while. Like right. when they had their blood and guts thing, that was, you know, th that served a purpose though, because you had this feud building with the pinnacle and the inner circle. And, you know, they were finally going head to head. So you had that kind of violence, which is to be expected, but it's not an every week type of thing. Right. And I think the WWE, if they're, th if they're, if they're reacting to one AEW, which Vince, he figured out a long time. Well, he figured out before WCW folded because when they beat him 83 weeks in a row in the ratings, yeah. they used to have the attitude of the lion doesn't care about the attitudes of the sheep. Right. And so he wouldn't even acknowledge other companies existed until yeah. they started beating him. Yeah. Then he had to until he got to the point where he, they beat themselves and that's something else that. Yeah. Cause that's the thing really because Vince would have been out of business if it hadn't have been for, if it hadn't been for Austin and the rock, Vince would have been out of business. I mean, without those two guys at the, at the, at the head of the attitude era, everything else would have fell apart. Right. And as much as I, as much as I like and respect triple H, triple H was never the guy. No, he was Austin and rock were the guys. Mick Foley has even said that he's like, he's like, these were the ring generals. Everybody else followed, they followed their lead. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's how, you know, that's how it worked. He's like, you look at any successful company, you've got one or two guys at the top and everybody else is following their lead because they're doing all this great stuff. So everybody else is, has to up their game to do all this great stuff. Exactly. And, but like you said, WCW killed themselves. Exactly. That's why Vince was and, able to buy that company for three million dollars. Yeah, well, I didn't think it was that much. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I think it was like three and a half million dollars is what he bought it for. It was worth a hundred million dollars eighteen months before that. Right. They went from being Raw went from being the number one rated show on all cable television, not wrestling show, number one yeah. rated show. Yep. All cable television to two years later they're they're dead and being bought up by the competition i mean that's yeah. that's a huge fall yeah i mean they lost 80 million dollars in one year yeah and the wwe right now instead of focusing on okay well let's bring back what made it successful 25 years ago yeah they need to look at okay um what are the people saying? Let's let's actually talk to the fans. You know, even though Vince doesn't like the IWC, the internet wrestling community. Yeah. But the internet wrestling community, like you and I, we've, you know, we can call ourselves smarks. We can call ourselves, you know, smart fans because we've been following it since we were kids, since we were believers in it. And yeah. then we, when we figured out and read about what, you know, when kayfabe died, but we never, we still liked it. Because now we like knowing what's going on behind the scenes. What makes exactly. it work. And we respect it. We respect right. what these men and women do every single day. You know, and a lot of a lot of promoters, even a lot of fans these days, don't have that respect for 
professional wrestling. Professional wrestling gets a bad name mm-hmm. when they're doing things that no other professional athletes can do. Right. And they need to look at, okay, why are Raw, Raw's ratings every week setting new records for low ratings? Every yeah. single week almost now. Is it because the first 20 minutes is always a scripted promo? That may be part of it. It's rare that they don't do that. Yeah. It's so rare that when they do actually start with a match, we actually text each other. Oh my God, they're actually starting with a match. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Well, in the roster, the thing is with the brand split, they have, their rosters have gotten so thin because they've, you know, they keep having these mass firings. So they're depleting their rosters. So then you're just getting the same matches every single week. Yeah. So it's like, by the time it gets to pay-per-view, it's like, I've already seen this match six times in the last month and a half. Why do I want to see it again on pay-per-view? If it's, it's, because you know it's not going to be any different. Right. And they're either going to do 50-50 booking and just trade wins back and forth. Which gets old. Or the wrong wrong person is going to win just like charlotte winning the title at money in the bank charlotte should have put rhea ripley over now oddly enough i think they were using charlotte uh, as weird as what it sounds i think they were just using her as a transitional champion to go you know to for the title to get put on nikki ash yeah i think that and i think it was it was their way to add another championship to her resume so that they can right stacking that up um but here's the weird thing about you know because you and i both are arguing saying uh, our, our our mutual argument is that the wwe appears to be going back to the attitude era which we then we both think is a mistake mm-hmm. but then you have nikki ash yeah you know and they're like appealing to kids and apparently she's getting booed on the house show circuit which is yeah ridiculous. because the fans are just i think I don't know because I, you know, obviously I wasn't there, but I think a lot of that is fans are getting back, you know, after you know all this time with the pandemic and everything of not being able to be in the arena, and I think the fans are just booing just to boo. I think they're. Yeah. I don't even. I don't even because the, the character hasn't been around long enough for people to be like, oh well, I just can't stand that gimmick or anything like that. I think it's just a matter of. You got a bunch of people who are just trying to be seen and they're just booing something without giving it a chance. Right. And, you know, so that may be the one kind of bright spot right now, if they would just focus on that. And by the way, when she won the title, it was the very last thing that happened on that raw. Yeah. Yeah. Cashed in. Basically she she got the main event raw and win the title. Right. Yeah. And now while they're doing those triple threat matches or her against Charlotte, and it's like I said, yeah. the same thing over and over and over again. And, it, and at SummerSlam, she's got Charlotte and Rhea Ripley in a triple threat for the title. Right. And that's the match that, that people have been booing on the house circuit. Yeah, exactly. And now with the pandemic maybe making its own comeback. And so we may yeah. be going back to wear masks again and yep. not being able to throw all that's up in the air. Yeah. Uh, but this podcast is going to stay. And oh, yeah. Yeah. We're, <laughs> so, you know, we're, in, we're in the privacy of our own home, so we can do that anyway. <laughs> exactly. You know, so uh, on that note, we do have to go ahead and 
and end this, this conversation for now. Maybe we continue at another time, but okay. uh, I'm thinking I'm seeing some some watch alongs here in our future, along with some other other subjects, because now I'm just I'm problem is you know when I start thinking about these ideas that there it's kind of late at night. And I should probably write it down because me being starting to get senile, I'm gonna just forget it, <laughs> you know, five minutes later. Um, and then yeah, I'll probably I need, to, write I need to jot some down too because I've got I've got eight kids in my house, so after a while it's just <laughs> <annoying>. oh. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, I think this has been a good show. So, um, yeah, definitely. I hope you have a good weekend. And because this this coming Sunday, we are going to be going over to my mother in law's house because my wife's birthday is next Tuesday. You know, okay. we're going to have it celebrated on Sunday. I'm not going to say how old she's going to be because she, well, she was just sitting right over there. I was thinking that she was going to come over here and start smacking me upside the head. <laughs> uh, but, um, but she actually does not look her. She's five years younger than I am. So I will give you that hint. Um, and she looks probably five years younger than that, at least, you know, so she's never looked her actual age. Um, you know, right. so maybe one day she'll actually get herself in front of the camera and you can, you can see that. <laughs> I don't know why she does that because I think she's beautiful, but you know, she's like, no, nah, no, nah, don't look at me. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch and we will, uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get a lot of good ideas together and, and we'll just keep the podcast going. And for everybody out there listening, tell your friends, tell them, give us a listen and give us some feedback, but Dwayne, until next week, my friend, God bless you. And we'll be talking. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye.